Hi, everyone. You're listening to the eighth episode of Hipster Baseball Podcast. And on today's podcast, we celebrate opening day in Latin America, get hit by a pitch, try to go viral on YouTube, and consider the Chicago Cubs hiring practices. I'm going to bring in DeCarlo Calloway, my co-host, and ask him what he's drinking to open this podcast with. Hi, everybody. How you doing today? I am drinking Bitburger Premium Pills. It's Germany's number one draft beer. Um, yeah, just keeping it plain and simple. Nice light Pilsner to start the evening with. And I am sipping it and enjoying it as we record. What are you drinking today, Dorian? We're continuing the German tradition from last episode when I had, uh, when we're trying to, well, I was trying to pronounce German and Dutch, <laughs> but this time I also have a beer. It's called a high wheat hibiscus wheat ale. And I'm going to open it right now. I got it from a local American brewery. We don't, we don't need Germany here. We're supporting American jobs. It's a local brewery called Burley Oak Brewery Company in Berlin, Maryland, Berlin, Maryland, Again, German. <laughs> well, it's actually German population in Maryland. Yeah. So this high wheat hibiscus wheat ale is is from a it's from that Burley Oak Brewery. Berlin, Maryland is actually just outside of Ocean City, Maryland. Those of you who know the Mid Atlantic know that the Ocean City is a big beach spot for people who live in Pennsylvania, Maryland, D.C., Virginia, and uh, that's what I'm drinking. So I'm drinking at a 32 ounce crowler and. I asked myself, what exactly is a wheat beer? Well, a wheat beer is really any beer where a substantial portion of the grain used in brewing is wheat. And normally a craft beer is brewed primarily with malted barley. Why barley? Because, mar because, mar uh, excuse me, because barley mart is easier to brew with. Wheat beers are exceptionally hard to brew because of the protein and starches in a grain that are meant to bind and that want to bind together. This makes it trickier to extract the sugars. So these same proteins make wheat exceptional for baking, kind of like when you're making pizza dough. And American versions of beer use good, clean American yeast. Tremendous patriots. And you know who else is tremendous patriots? Our listeners. Because we want to know what you're drinking when you listen to the podcast. Tweet us a picture with your choice of drink, and we'll retweet the best ones. Our Twitter handle is at HBP4040. And remember to use the hashtag HBP drink. Now, DiCarlo, what, what, have, what have you come across you know, over the past week since we last spoke? Well, first, I really want to just to have to compliment you on the way that you always provide exquisite details behind your drink. See me? I'm so simple. I'm drinking a beer burger. You go into the... <laughs> like, he... he Dorian, you, you do it with such a cadence and flow, you would think that you were a university professor sitting there with your sports jacket. With my cardigan. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and a turtleneck, especially in the fall weather saying, so we... They use... Um, with barley 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 as opposed to wheat because of the fermentation process it's it's really great so i'm sorry i had to really i'm to uh, thank that. you but i i'm a great believer in knowing what you put in your body as one of my high, my biology high school teachers told us your body is a temple so i always try to have that mentality like if you're going to put something in your body know what you're putting into it yeah i hear you on that one that's the truth um so we're going to be starting off discussing uh latin american winter league games and you know, we got get, we have leagues in Nicaragua starting off, which 
you know, if people haven't heard recently, unfortunately, Nicaragua was hurt by hit by Hurricane Iota, which hit the land as a Category Four, bringing about what is it, maybe a hundred wind speeds of up to maybe 135 miles per hour. Yeah, which, it was Category Category Five. Oh, it was cat, it, cat uh, Five, so even worse. It was like it, yeah, it hit the northern part of Nicaragua as well as uh, Honduras, which is the neighboring country to the north. And unfortunately, a lot of the countries in Central America have already been dealing with a lot of issues. Hurricane Ada, like Ada, two weeks ago. Yeah, exactly. And then let's just not even talk about the normal societal strife that's been hitting a lot of these Central yeah. American countries. So that must have been uh, a big you know, hit towards the baseball season. I wonder how they're going to be able to really pick it up and recover. But, you know, in times of big strife, as we have seen ourselves here in this country, sports are one of the things that helps bring, your, you know, your country together. And I think the start of the Nicaraguan League would really, along, you know, would really help bring the country together because not only that, they're also dealing with COVID-19 as well. And, you know, even though they have warmer temperatures than we do here, we're experiencing a second wave, but having – a natural disaster, two natural disasters in damn near in two weeks. That definitely had to be uh, put a strain on the country. So what, what were some of the things that you saw in some of the games that you were able to catch? Hurricane Iota did put a damper on the season. No, it's slight because they did cancel games from November. November, November 17th games were canceled, but opening day was actually on the 13th of November, and I watched that one. It was Boed which are Boer, as we would say, like like South Africa, Boed, they're the team from Managua, the capital. And they went up to uh, Leon to, to, to play the Leones de Leon. It's actually funny. It actually means the, the Lions from the city of Lions. It's kind of like LA, the Los Angeles Angels, the Angels of Angels <laughs> in Spanish. It's silly. Never, but I was really impressed by the Leones starting pitcher, uh, Willy Paredes. He's a Dominican pitcher out of Kutui, Dominican Republic, he's six foot two, he's a righty, and he's actually been in the Detroit Tiger and the Arizona Diamondback minor league systems. I love the way he pitched. He had control, he had power. I was like, who is this big, tall, lanky guy? He actually ended up pitching five and third innings, only gave up three hits, issued one walk, uh, struck out five batters, and only gave up one run. And what's really interesting about the Nicaraguan League, much like the other leagues, is that all these players are being heavily watched, even more so than normal years, because a lot of a lot of these players who are minor league players in the U.S. are now playing in the, in the Latin American winter leagues. They, in case you guys don't know, there was no minor league system, no minor league games this year in the U.S. So the, these guys have not played in, in months, probably even a year, and. Someone, someone who's being uh, watched heavily is this first baseman from Leon called, his name is uh, Elian Miranda. He's from Matagalpa, Nicaragua. He was signed to the Arizona Diamondback minor league system back in January, 2020. By the time he gets to Phoenix, guess what happened? The U.S. had shut down. So he was stuck in Phoenix for months and he wasn't able to play baseball, which is crazy. Another, another nice thing that I liked about the Nicaraguan Winter League is the, the national stadium in Managua, the capital, is called Dennis Martinez National Stadium. Some, it, 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 the capacity is about 15,000. They're actually going to take it up to about 20,000, and it was built back in 2017, and it meets MLB specifications. If you see it on TV, they, there was, there was, I actually tweeted out the links to watch Nicaraguan baseball, uh, I think, a day or two ago. It's beautiful. 
And they named it after Dennis Martinez, who was uh, a Nicaraguan pitcher. He actually was the first Latin pitcher to throw a perfect game back in July 1991 against the Los Angeles Dodgers. He was the lead, he had the most wins of all Latin pitchers, and it was just recently broken by our big tubby friends Bartolo Colon with his oh, big old belly. He, he just him. he just uh, beat Dennis Martinez's record for like 20 years or whatever. So. Yeah, so I, I highly recommend watching the, the Nicaraguan uh, Baseball Winter League. And I also watched a game from the Cuban League. Like I said in last week's episode, Cuba's really not part of the Winter League because of political reasons. Only Cuban players play. But what I really enjoyed was this game between Matanzas and Las Tunas. Now, Matanzas is the best team in the league. They have, their, they have a record of 27 wins and 16 losses. The weird thing about the league is DiCarlo, I told you last week that the Cuban League is high scoring, high batting average. The entire guess what the entire league's batting average, DiCarlo, is. I mean, every if you average out everybody's everybody's batting average. What is everybody's batting average for the Cuban National League? Like five hundred or something. <laughs> okay, that's just ridiculous. Close, <laughs> three hundred. Oh wow! And the, the number, the guy with the highest batting average, I forget his name, but it's four twenty-five. It is insane. We're about giving Ted Williams a run for his money. (laughs) We're about like fifty games into the into the Cuban League, and some guy is still hitting four twenty five. It's it's insane. Even the announcers were saying, this is of course in Spanish, that three hundred no longer means no longer has the weight of of averaging three hundred in the Cuban League because it's ridiculous. Everyone's hitting over half the players in the Cuban League hit over three hundred. So, one more thing about the Cuban League is. Last week, I also said that the Cuban League is, is, is fun, but the pitchers are erratic. So in this game, bottom of the first inning, Las Tunas pitcher, Carlos Vieira, what did he do with his first pitch to Carlo? He hit somebody. <laughs> hit by a pitch. Ding, 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 ding. HBP, just like the name of this podcast, hit by pitch. Uh, I, I just I thought of you, and I just started laughing. He drilled a ball right into this guy and the leadoff hitter's ribs. Oh, my God. Two innings later, he hit another guy. I was like, Jesus Christ. Oh, my goodness. Excuse me. So, anyways, it was funny because I said this last week, and, of course, you keep seeing these poor batters getting drilled. Um, it, it doesn't matter. It didn't matter because mm-hmm. Las Dunas won 8 nothing. Oh, wow. Um And lastly, going back again to a lot of these players are being watched in the Winter League is – Normally, a lot of players that would play in the Venezuelan Winter League, because there is no Venezuelan Winter League because of COVID-19, and also Major League Baseball back in 2019 made a rule that no one affiliated with Major League Baseball, whether that coaches or players, could play in the Venezuelan Winter League. So Venezuela doesn't have – the it, it was canceled, along with the other top-tier made, uh, Winter League in Mexico, the Mexican Pacific League. So now – all of the the a lot of those players are now scattered around the the existing winter leagues right now in Nicaragua, Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, etc. And it's a shame again because COVID nineteen and also sanctions. Yeah, um, one thing I was going to think about, like with the Cuban League, it was just something I was came to mind was how they play their games. They have any like play at night or even like their stadiums, like you said. You were talking about the Nicaraguan League and Dennis Martinez Stadium, how it was up to Major League Baseball, like, 
specs. Matter. Yeah, specs. Um, like, how are some of the stadiums over there in Cuba? For for those who don't know, the it, they are they're not bad. And uh, again, this is a, a closed communist society still. And there is there are currently no fans going wow. because of, again COVID nineteen. In Nicaragua, there are some fans. They're letting in maybe a couple of hundred, and they make a load of noise. And it's it can be fun, but sometimes there's not a lot of people there. In Cuba, there's no fans, and it's almost like, I don't want to say bleachers, but it's like long concrete places to sit. And you can tell that there are no numbers because what I had read was there is, you can't reserve a seat. So basically you just go, it's like first come first serve. Oh, wow. You go, you sit down, there's nothing there. there like I said, there's no advertisement. The, 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 the batting hat to the Cuban players is just the color of the team. And, and this particular game, Matanzas and Las Tunas, if you love red, if red is your favorite color, go watch this game because Matanzas was all red and white. Las Tunas, their colors are green and red. It was so much red. It was, it was ridiculous. Um, and there's absolutely no advertising as well. So wow. the stadiums look just like concrete things. And you can tell that whoever sits there, there's no like season tickets. I'm like, oh, this is my seat. Mm. They don't have like flood lamps or anything, or all the games just played in the daytime. They actually do. However, what I've read is because uh, to save and to, to save electricity, they only play during the day. They do have some floodlights, but again, they don't want to waste money or energy or whatever it is that they that they need uh, coal. I don't know how they power it, so that's why they only play during the daytime. Mm. Well, you know what, playing during the daytime isn't such a bad thing. Like uh, when you think about, say, like the glory days of Major League Baseball. They played all their games in the daytime. And hell, even the Cubs, what was it? Just maybe, what, maybe, like maybe a generation ago, maybe 20, 30 years. Yeah, 20, years. 30 years ago. Yeah, yeah, they only implemented having floodlights, and they would always play the games during the daytime. And, uh, you know, when you think about it happening here in the United States during the time back in the 20s, 30s, it's during the Great Depression. So everybody was around to be able to watch games. Well, not everybody, but a lot of people, because, of course, we know we didn't have jobs. So having sports like that during the daytime or even just like first come first serve it does bring a certain level of camaraderie within to that whole experience which i think nowadays we miss here so much so because of overinflated pricing um just being like uh, going to the to the ballpark and just feeling like you're a part of, of a whole thing sometimes you know you get lost on it because i mean people can have a level of camaraderie complaining about how expensive it is to go see like a crappy team, like, you know, the Mets recently within the past years, their stadium is, you know, city field is so much better than Yankee stadium, but um, the Mets are, were terrible. And, you know, apart from maybe a season here, a season there, but usually they don't really, they weren't really putting up consistent good seasons. And so, but you would still have to pay top dollar to go to their games, which it's a pain, but, Something to always think about. And what what, what other uh, speaking of the Mets? What other Met player have you had your eye on, or have you heard about? Oh, I heard about uh, our old good friend Robinson Cano, who uh, bonehead move, second time, um, violating Major League Baseball's rules against performing enhancing drugs and testing positive. And what, uh, what, what, what uh, steroid or whatever did he do? I you cannot know remember off the top of my head. The illegal one. Yes, it's an illegal one, which accelerates uh, recovery, like speed, strength, power, all of these things. And mind you, he's 38 years old. 
Um, he hit. That's crazy. He hit pretty well for the for the game season this past season. So of course that's going to raise eyebrows. But being that this is his second infraction, he's out for the whole 20, uh, 20, 21, uh, 2021 season. Right. And forfeits twenty four million dollars. It, it, it's is sticking needles in your. I don't. You know what? I think that's like very nineteen eighties of me. I think I'm showing my age. I, I think I think people <laughs> consume steroids more efficiently than sticking needles in your butt cheeks. But I can't imagine forfeiting twenty four million dollars for that. But again, that that's one of the reasons he's getting paid to do that because he's so powerful and fast, or he was powerful and fast. Mm-hmm. But also, I think it, it comes. When you think about how the seasons are kind of going and, you know, when you get old and when you have a lot of mouths to feed, you, I think a lot, a lot of people forget the, the rigors of how modern sports is on the athlete. And even though, you know, there, there's more demand that is coming out for a lot of players and a, and a lot of athletes out there. Like if you think of other sports, say recently within soccer, you're having a lot of injuries because of the quick turnaround after the delayed season from, you know, COVID stopping and then they started another season and they're just going along with it like nothing happened. And you're seeing players and top players getting injured consistently, consistently. And then, you know, you have the demand of having to stay up to, to stay fit, keep a batting average, try to hit for power, run for speed, all of these things. And they feel a need to have to, to, to keep it up, especially when they're getting older. And $24 million. They have to, he has 24 million reasons to do that. Yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, <laughs> of course, you think after a while, I mean, and, and especially if you kind of know the system or have an idea what the system is, and half of the time, half the time, a lot of these guys might have people who, you know, whatever they might do, who knows. But, you know, they think, you know what, I'm not going to get caught, or I'm going to take the risk because if I don't get caught, I still get this money. I'll be able to take care of my family and who's, you know, and I just think of that uh, ESPN 30 for 30 was it going broke and how you would think all of these players and athletes who are amassing millions of dollars, uh, you think that they're going to be good. But of course, a lot of them don't really know the ins and outs of financial planning or they have a lot of mouths to feed and they just, you know, squander their money. So $24 million to us is like, Oh my goodness. Like, you know, we're sitting here spouting business, uh, market watching business practices and how we should be able to invest in stuff. But a lot of these people, unfortunately, might not have that business know-how or even even though they might have people who might know but will manipulate them. So, you know, it, it's unfortunate, especially because, he, you know, he is a or has been a decent player over his Bulls. career. But still – he got caught, and it's the second time. The third time, he's out of Major League Baseball for life. So hopefully, you know, tw- this is a $24 million lesson that he just stops. But even still, this might be the end game anyway because you're 38 years old, and after a year out of the game, unless he goes and plays in the Dominican League. He, he is from the Dominican Republic, so I'm sure he owns, like, uh, 5,000 acres of land all, on the island and on the island of Hispano, Hispanola with that borders Haiti. But speaking of the Dominican Republic, again, that's the Dominican Republic and the Mexican Pacific League, which is not playing this winter. Those are the two best. That's the pinnacle of Latin American winter ball. Things like 
leagues like Nicaragua, Venezuela, Colombia. Venezuela, of course, is not being played. That's the second tier. They're still good, but again, we have to be honest here. So we all want to be, we all want to go viral. We want this podcast to be listened to by millions and by aliens. And if you are on any of these social media platforms, you want everyone to like and share your stuff. Baseball teams in Dominican Republic are no different. There's a team called Estrellas Orientales, which means the star of the stars of the Orient. They were they had a, they, they played a game against the Toros del Este, the, the 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 Bulls of the East, and this was a marquee matchup. This game happened on November 17th. Estrellas they were the champions of the Dominican Republic Winter League in 2019. Toros are the defending 2020 champions, and Estrellas had they have a Twitter account, and they said, "Hey everybody." If you can't watch, if you can't watch this game on TV or listen to it on the radio, have no worries. And they put all they put this all in Spanish. Have no worries. You can watch it on YouTube. And everyone's excited because this is two quality top-tier teams. And then what happened? <laughs> Everyone Twitter was not happy because <laughs> the link failed and they didn't and it didn't work i mean it was so like it was so embarrassing at, at the same and also like disappointing it's like this was one of the top games of the season <laughs> and it doesn't even show up on youtube so estrellas orientales they did not go viral at all which is very sad but uh, still the the to the to watch the dominican winter league you have to pay a uh, a season fee and if you guys want i'll be more than happy to tweet that link out but this was one of the few times you could actually watch a, a, a very competitive, very top-tier game for free, and it didn't happen. So maybe they need to just go on TikTok, and they'll show like five or ten seconds as opposed to trying to show a three-hour three hour baseball game. Yeah. So DeCarlo mentioned about investing money, Robinson Cano. He's set for life, let's be honest. But a lot of us don't have Robinson Cano or any of these major league players, salaries, or talents. We need, and this is where our sponsor comes in, EF Hutton. EF Hutton is your broker only for you. The broker that strives for your returns and your retirement. The advice is just for you and to help you grow your income later in life. EF Hutton. When EF Hutton talks, people listen. Someone who hasn't been listening or even following the rules are the Chicago Cubs, who are owned by the Ricketts family. Uh, John Joseph Ricketts owned, he started another brokerage firm, a rival. We don't like them because we're all about EF Hutton. John Joseph Ricketts started TD Ameritrade, and he bought the team for the entire family back in 2009. So, DeCarlo, why in the world are we pointing out the Ricketts family in our new segment called the Dewey Decimal System, a.k.a. Lost in History, 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 History. Uh, because uh, we're deficient of vitamin C, hence why we have rickets. I'm stupid. That, that's so terrible. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, no, because recently, uh, if those who don't know, the boy wonder, um, Theo Epstein, who was president of baseball operations of the Chicago Cubs, recently stepped down. And... The Cubs immediately uh, promoted GM, uh, promoted Jed Hoyer to a general manager. And there usually is a process that, that happens when 
um, front office, like teams front offices have positions that they will um, interview minorities, women, to try to, to bring, to make the playing field open, or at least to show a level of equity within the system. But they just completely bypassed that and elevated oh. Jed Hoyer without even doing that. But wait, DeGarlo, this is not a process. Let's be specific here. Why, why we're bringing this up in the Dewey Decimal System segment is it's not a process. It's a rule, and it's called the Selig rule. Uh, Bud Selig used to be the commissioner back for about 15 years, back in the 90s and early parts of uh, – for about 20 years, actually, the 90s and the first decade of this century. He he came up with a rule back in 2013, I believe. Yeah, 2013. No. Was it 2013? Yeah. Okay. So back in 2013, he came up with a rule that, quote, it's required every club in Major League Baseball is required to consider minority candidates for all general manager, assistant general manager, field manager, director of player personnel development, and director of scouting positions, basically front office gigs before they hire someone. Now, the loophole here Correction, is... Actually, let me stop. it was 1999, so it was even before that, 2013. Wow. Yeah, that, that, so it, was, it was quite some time. It's forward-thinking by Bud Selig, who I'm not a fan of, but the key word in there, if you're a lawyer, you know what I'm talking about. Consider. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to consider not drinking, the, 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 not drinking to finish my beer. I considered it. I went against it. I'm going to drink my beer. The Chicago Cubs and the Ricketts family did not consider anyone else. They immediately promoted the general manager of the Chicago Cubs, Jed Hoyer, to the to a higher level, which being the, the baseball president of baseball operations. It, 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 it's very disappointing uh, considering what the Miami Marlins, who I consider kind of a joke organization, but they're yeah, you getting do, their act they, together. They, 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 yeah, what did they, they do to Carlo? They hired uh, Kim Ng, who is the first female Asian-American general manager from New York, Holla. Um, and yeah, so she is the first female Asian-American general manager. In she's, she's running, she's running poo is what she's doing, which is amazing. Like yeah. go, go her, a woman, Asian-American. I mean, you're ticking all oh, sorts of boxes. Uh, 20, 2020 loves you with your diversity hire there. But in it, it, reality, this is uh, the hiring of, of Miss, what's her name? Ning? Ning. Ning. Yeah. That's not a diversity to hire. The home, home girl, the lady is very accomplished. She was with, I believe, the New York Yankees, as yeah, well as the Los Angeles Dodgers. I mean, she was with heavy hitting teams and she did well enough that, hey, come, come help develop the Miami Marlins. So congratulations to her. <laughs> Right. And again, kudos, kind of kudos to Bud Selig with the Selig rule about considering minority candidates back in 19, what is it, 99, you said? Yeah, 99. Major League Baseball came out with this rule years before the National Football League came out with the Rooney rule, which was a little bit stiffer in the sense that the Rooney rule, I'm paraphrasing here, they had, you had to actually interview i believe it was one or two candidates for yeah. every so it wasn't about considering because you consider i'm just considering right now going outside and running around in the rain you know what i i, I decided against it it's not about considering it's about actually the nfl you have to actually interview which but there's pros and cons time, to that but then at the same time who's to say that they really didn't consider prior because how how do we know when theo epstein gave them notice as to when he was going to leave 
You know, yeah. like you're gonna have to wait till he comes out with his book. I have no idea. Yeah. So I mean, it's not to say that they didn't do that, but the process of just kind of moving quickly, like immediately after Theo Epstein said, "I'm out," which of course has gotten uh, Steve Cohen's uh, spidey sense going because he's trying to figure out every single maneuver he can do to make the mess a little bit better. But one thing I want to interject a little bit um, is how this process is probably not such a bad thing in terms of sometimes just moving forward and hiring the person. Because one thing, especially when just looking at the Rooney rule within the NFL, and a lot of uh, black coaches have had, or, and just not just black coaches, but other minority candidates have had an issue is, is that they are walking into a situation in which they know that they're not going to be hired. Exactly. And more times than not, they're like, I'm just wasting my time here. And the teams themselves are wasting their time. It's not to say the intention is bad. Of course, we need more equity because this idea that women or people of color can't do the job is complete BS. We, we know human beings put in a position, allowed to really learn it and, and are around that situation can do anything. It doesn't matter what color they are. It doesn't matter what gender they are, but it's, it's a pain in the behind because if you really think about this, just looking at the Rooney rule, remember those years back in say like the early 2000s, everybody thought that, any coach who, co- who coached under Bill Parcells through the New England Patriots organization was going to be the next Parcells. How many of them do we even know? None. Yeah. And I, re- they, I remember some of their names. For, for yeah, football, like but, uh, uh, Eric Mangini. And, Carl, Charlie Weiss. Yeah, like all of them, nothing. The Cleveland Garbage. Browns coach, what was it? Uh, Romeo Crennel. Crench, Crench, yeah, whatever his name he was. He was one black coach, but still, he probably only got the notoriety because he was playing like he was with under Bill Parcells. But the fact of the matter is, is that a lot of the, the white coaches got elevated before the, the African-American coaches or even other African-American coaches who were in other organizations. And they were just like, you know what? I'm wasting my time. I don't want to do this. And the, the, like I said before, the intention is good with things like this, and we would hope, and we hope that we'll be in a world at some point where the, that doesn't matter, that even still, just to make it equitable, we still will have people, but that it's not just a waste of people's times going into these things. So I, I see what you're saying. It's pretty bad because the optics just look like they didn't even really try. But when you look at the legalese aspect of consider, that could be an internal discussion amongst the front, the front office that we don't really, that we're not privy to that would lead for them to say, you know what? We don't need to interview anybody. We've, we've considered people, but. <laughs> they didn't consider me. Go, I can tell you that much. Well, yeah. I mean, they consider me either, but then again, you know, it's going to be big shoes to fill because boy, wonder Theo Epstein was able to break. He was able to put pieces in place that broke two curses. So the guy is damn there, like, you know, he's, he's squatting and, and golden eggs come oh, out yeah. eventually. So he can do the, no wrong. You said it. He's, he's the slayer of two baseball curses. Those of you don't, who don't know, he was the general manager of the Boston Red Sox. Why does this matter? In last week's episode seven, we spoke about Billy Bean turning down the Boston Red Sox GM position in 2002, I believe. Who was the man in second place on that list? Theo Epstein. Theo Epstein. He took over them. He took over the Red Sox in about two years. 
they won the World Series. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to add this caveat because what he did was he just signed a bunch of the Miami Marlins who had won the championship in 2003. He signed, I think, about three or four of them. And in 2004, lo and behold, the Boston Red Sox won the World Series. But That's smart. Yeah, he's a smart man. He won two World Series rings with the Boston Red Sox. Then he goes over to Chicago. Oh, Boston had won a, a World Series in, what, like 80 years? I think it was, something like that. Then he goes years. to Chicago. He goes over the Chicago Chicago Cubs, which was an even heavier lift, and they hadn't won a championship with like 108 years. Yeah. I don't know, since when Woodrow Wilson was in offense. I have no freaking idea. He won a championship with them, and so his no, next. No, it was move. before that. It was back in the eighteen hundreds, I think, because it was like their thing was the curse of the Billy Goat, where that guy walked into the damn, uh, tried to get into Wrigley oh, Field right. with a goat. Like that's right. That's such an American thing. Like, who comes to a baseball game with a goat, and then gets pissed that you can't get in the game because you got a freaking goat. So Theo Epstein, he needs to send a bottle of champ, a many bo- a crate of champagne to Billy Bean for giving him that 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 spot to be able to become the general manager of the Boston Red Sox. I do want to add another thing. Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner, the infamous owner of the Chicago White Sox. Again, we spoke about this last week. He had said way back when the Rooney, when the Rooney rule, when the Seelig rule came into effect, he said, quote, I'm tremendously proud of it. I get annoyed when I hear people talk about the Rooney rule, Rooney rule. When we had this three years earlier, I want to praise the commissioner Selig for his foresight. This is one of the first things he did, end quote. And to Mr. Reinsdorf credit, he actually did hire the Venezuelan manager, Ozzy Guillen, back in 2003. And Ozzy Guillen won the only World Series championship for the for Mr. Reinsdorf back in uh, yep. 2005. And uh, I, I think that might have been the first one since like 19... 19- Oh, three, God knows when. Yeah, because of the Black Sox, you know, the White Sox scandal back in, was it 1919? 1918? I think it was 1918. I can't remember. But, again, we have to be even-handed here. He did hire Venezuelan manager, Ozzy Guillen. But this offseason, Mr. Reinsdorf hired. (laughs) We're going to just, we were just, we're just going to rename this podcast TLR, Tony LaRussa. Without he he considered nobody but Tony Larusa, so he broke his own ceiling ceiling <laughs> rule. I'm a Hall of Famer guy, remember I'm a big deal. I'm a Hall of no, Famer. No, uh, no, no, no. It's uh, I'm a Hall of Fame brother. Yeah, brother, brother. That's like the worst thing. Like, didn't you ever go to a bar and there's like some random dude who's like super drunk and they always want to call you brother? It's people it's so over hostile. certain people over a certain age use the word brother. Yeah, but but the funny thing is, is that they say it in a way that shows a level of hostility. It's not like an endearing, hey, brother, what's going on? I'm a Hall of Famer, you know? Could you so you wanted to uh, talk like Jehovah No Witness, like, this is my brother, this is my sister. Yeah, no, nah, it's like, hey, brother. <laughs> Stupid idiots. Uh, anyway. All right, so the Ricketts family, you are very ridiculously wealthy and very politically active, and you own the Chicago White, Chicago Cubs. Congratulations to you. But we hope, because you didn't follow the Selig rule, to replace Jed Hoyer. And I do want, again, even-handed, we don't know what promises were made to Jed, Ho- Jed Hoyer in his contract. or He probably is a very, very talented, accomplished man, but we don't know that. Uh, we just hope that when the, now that the general manager position is open because Hoyer has been bumped up, that will be 
we're not we're not here to dictate who 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 and who sh who and who shouldn't be hired, but that the process is more transparent and and the Selig rule, the spirit of the Selig rule is followed. So, Ricketts family, you are this week's Dewey Decimal System, <laughs> aka lost in history, 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 because you didn't follow the Selig rule. So with that, we want to thank all of you for listening. Remember, please subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast, and give us a review. Follow us on Twitter at HBP4040, and our drinks will be in the show notes. Join us again next week for a brand new episode of HBP Hipster Baseball Podcast. Have a great one, everybody. Take care. We'll catch you next time. Peace.